Hi, I'm Rebecca Decker, a PhD candidate at Moffat Cancer Center, busy with my PhD in integrated mathematical oncology. And my name is Pamela Bahia. I am a neuroscientist, communicator, and I'd like to welcome you all back to Biology in Numbers, a podcast by the Society for Mathematical Biology. Thank you all for your patience while we took a brief hiatus over the holidays. I'm glad to be back. How are you doing, Rebecca? I'm really excited to be here. Wonderful. So I'm going to start our chat by challenging you immediately to describe your research in 60 seconds or less. Sure. So I've developed something called an agent-based model to investigate how radiation impacts the local immune system in the tumor bed and tumor area and whether we can protect the immune cells from radiation because they're very sensitive. So we want to protect them to help our patients respond better to treatment. That might have been the quickest one yet. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing like putting people under a bit of pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like in retrospect, maybe we should have offered our guests some kind of trophy or something. (laughs) Element of competition. A leaderboard. Um, Yeah, exactly. That's true. I might still do that. (laughs) Um, So you're actually the first graduate student that we've had on the podcast. And I feel like people at various stages of their career probably experience the society in different ways. So can you tell us how SMB has served you as someone doing a PhD? Sure. So during my PhD, I've gone to a number of conferences. Most of them have been SMB related, whether it's ECMTB that was held in Heidelberg in 2022 or SMB that was held in Ohio last year where I gave a talk. So the society has definitely helped me connect with the broader math bio community, but also my math onco community as well. Um, I also received a Landall Travel Award to attend the ECMTB conference in 2022. So that was amazing. And I'm really thankful for that as well. I also participated in the mentoring programs that they run quite often. So that's been great too. Nice. That sounds like a broad swathe of things. Mm -hmm. It's been Um, great. Cool. So before we delve deeper into your research background, I am going to say, are you team math or team bio? (laughs) So can I I cop out and say I'm both? Um, I, I think math is a really good tool to use to answer questions that we have in the biology realm and the biology field. But if we don't have integration and collaboration with biologists, math isn't going to really get us anywhere. And so I'm definitely both. Speaking of which, when I was looking up your background, it seems like your training before your PhD was seemingly all in math and in South Africa. So can you tell us how you ended up in the field of math bio specifically and all about your move to the US? Yeah, so I initially uh, registered for a bachelor's of education through UNISA, which is the University of South Africa. It's a distance learning institute mostly, but I really enjoyed doing all the math courses during that time. And one of the assignment questions was um, this tumor can be described as growing exponentially. Can you calculate how big it is at this date? And I realized, oh, I can actually marry biology with math, and this is possible. And so that really piqued my interest. But it was only when I started studying through the University of Pretoria, where I did my bachelor's and my master's, that I was really able to 
continue down that path and actually follow my interests and expand them. One of my favorite classes during that time was taught by Professor Angelov, who taught me dynamical systems. And it was all about logistic growth and epidemiological modeling and things like this. And so it was really refreshing to see that math could be used to impact the world and not just as a theoretical study. Then um, I actually did my, my master's with Professor Angelov and I researched the spread of a soil-borne pathogen through an agricultural field. I didn't use any data during that project, but I did want to get back into disease modeling for my PhD. And then I found the PhD program here at Moffitt, which is a joint program with USF. And I arrived in 2019 and it's been an amazing experience so far. So essentially this has all been triggered by potentially one exam question? Yes, absolutely. Wow. <laughs> that's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, that's quite the origin story. So. For any budding scientists out there, can you tell us what your experience of graduate school has been? So what's the application process like? And, you know, we all have regret from <laughs> doing our PhDs, but do you feel like you made the right decision? Right. So whether I made the right decision, absolutely. I don't doubt that even when there are many, many ups and downs, as we know that grad school has, um, I've never doubted that I made the right decision to pursue my PhD. During the application process, I was supported by an amazing friend of mine who actually really helped me write my statement of purpose um, and convinced me that I could make a success of my PhD. And so I wouldn't be here, I wouldn't have applied to the program if it wasn't for that friend. Um, once I applied, I got an email from um, the PhD program setting up the interview process. And then my interview was different because I was still in South Africa. So I had a, um, a virtual interview with four or five faculty members from Moffat. Um, names like uh, Philip Altrock, Heiko Endling, Joel Brown, Sandy Anderson, of course. Um, and so we just chatted a bit and they asked me, why do I want to do this PhD? And it was so nerve wracking. During the time South Africa was experiencing something and is still experiencing um, load shedding. So we often don't have electricity. So I had to plan around when I would have electricity and make sure that the Wi-Fi was working. Um, so that was an experience. But after that interview, Heiko emailed me again as a requesting a follow-up interview. And I was so nervous. And that was when he told me that I had been accepted and I can still remember I was sitting outside my mom's house and she was pacing behind my phone, which I was using because I wasn't using my laptop. And she was just pacing, pacing up and down the whole time. Um, and I burst into tears when he told me I'd been accepted. And then she burst into tears as well. <laughs> so it was definitely an emotional experience being accepted, but also the move from South Africa to the US. It's been an adjustment. I moved here in August, I think, of 2019. And so luckily a few months before the pandemic, but it was still an adjustment when I got here. I had to make new friends. The culture is completely different. There's so many 
other people here and so many people of cultures that I'd never experienced here before. Uh, one thing I struggled with when I moved here as well was having to um, learn how to tone down my accent and pick different words. And the way I spoke changed a lot so that Americans could understand me. There's still some days now when it's like, what are you saying? Why are yeah. you not understanding me? And then the pandemic. So it was a, that was an adjustment too. But overall, it's been really great. As I said, ups and downs, but the IMO department and the people I've met in the department have been really supportive of me so far. Wonderful. Um, so I know now you are actually very close to finishing your PhD. So this seems like an apt time to ask <laughs> you to, to summarize and describe your current research. Right. As I mentioned, I am developing, I have developed an agent-based model, which is essentially a three-player chess game. So we have cancer cells, anti-tumor immune cells, and pro-tumor immune cells. We want to protect the anti-tumor immune cells from radiation because they're very radiosensitive. They die at higher rates from radiation. And so what I'm looking at is whether we can shape the radiation beam according to certain patterns that would deposit high dose or low dose in different regions of the tumor and potentially protect the immune cells like that. I'm also investigating whether these patterns that we're looking at, whether it's the, the actual pattern that makes a difference or whether it's just, oh, 50% of the tumor doesn't receive a high dose of radiation or 50% does receive it. So I'm really looking at whether it's area or pattern and geometry that are the most important parts. And after that, I'm also looking at whether we can actually match the patterns to the pretreatment immune state so that when a patient comes into clinic, they can take a biopsy, look at their immune state, say their, their tumor is very highly infiltrated or has a low infiltration of immune cells, and then match the pattern of radiation to that immune state. And hopefully that will then help in increase their responses and improve their responses as well. So what does this look like from a very practical point of view and on a daily basis for you? So what does your work look like? Because I know we'll get to this question later, but IMO is quite a unique place. Um, so tell us more about that. Right. So I'm co-advised by Heiko Enderling and Shari Pilon-Thomas, who is a immunologist. And in developing my agent-based model, we spent a lot of time discussing the important aspects of the biology with Shari so that we could know that we're including all the important bits. Once I developed that, I run a lot of simulations. Luckily, I can just put them on the cluster and it can run overnight. And then in the morning, I can come in and download the data and do the analysis which I do in MATLAB, and then it's all about writing. Like right now, I'm supposed to be doing simulations and writing, but I'm just I'm finishing up an article that I'm hoping to submit today. So it's a lot of writing at the moment as well. But as you say, IMO is really an integrated collaborative area and department. And so 
I've collaborated with immunologists. We are based in the Stabile Research Building and right across the road is a clinic so we can interface with clinicians. Shari's lab is on the same floor as we are so I can just pop over and ask certain questions um, if need be, if I'm struggling with something. So it's really this beautiful interface and integration of math, biology and clinical sciences. That's very neat. Um, Thank you. And, you know, not that I'm biased or anything, because obviously <laughs> my husband uh, works there and lots of my friends work there. I've heard a lot of people say it's a very special place. Absolutely. Um, and of course, Heiko Enderling, the mastermind behind this podcast, was working there until he defected to MD Anderson. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. So that's also been uh, six or seven months of adjustment to having my PI online and not in person. Yeah, it, it seems like a difficult time to have your PI move. Yes, and no, it definitely disrupted my studies a little bit. Um, but I think we've gotten into the swing of things and we still meet regularly. We still have lab meetings regularly. And honestly, I think now would have been, if I had to choose, now would have been the ideal time um, as opposed to early on or in the middle. Um, early on, you're settling in and you don't really need an e extra, in air quotes, distraction or disruption. But in the middle, you definitely go through something called the second year funk, where <laughs> you just have no motivation. You're in the middle of things and you're not seeing a, a way forward. And so having him in person with me, that definitely helped with the motivation to get through that portion. So I'm, I'm really grateful for the time we had with him in person, but such is life. He's doing amazing things at MD Anderson. So. This is true. He's a, he's a big cheese now. Mm -hmm. Very big cheese. <laughs> um, so one of the things actually, going back to when you were talking about your research and your kind of daily activities, you mentioned something called the cluster. Can you tell us what that means? Cause... Right, so it's the high performance cluster. Um, I believe ours is cloud-based. So it's just this very large computing resource that we can load our code onto and run it overnight. Um, I don't know the details of how many uh, nodes and all the specifications of Moffat's cluster, but essentially it's just this really big computer that can do a lot of simulations all at once. And it shortens the amount of time that a simulation or that a batch of simulations will run because it can run them in parallel and not sequentially. So that really helps. Yeah. Uh, so how many people will be using this thing at any one time? Oh, I have no idea. Um, I think ours can be accessed by the pathology department. I know a lot of us at IMO also use it as well. So I, I really don't have an estimate okay. of how many people. But it sounds like it's a big resource that the entire hospital could be using. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of people who do RNA-seq um, analysis and things like that, they use it as well, just because okay. of the size of the data. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one thing I've noticed about science is the longer that we stay in it, the bigger our files seem to get. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's exponential growth. 
So as I mentioned before, uh, like Heiko, you two are about ready to depart um, the hallowed halls of IMO and Moffitt. Mm -hmm. Uh, so what does life look like for the future, Dr. Becker? And am I allowed to say that? Does it feel like I'm <laughs> Not jinxing it at all. I am very excited to do a postdoc after this, and it's going to allow me to expand on the skills that I, that I built up and developed during my PhD. But it'll also position me to learn new skills that I need in order to run the lab that I want to run one day. So it's really, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. And how's the job hunt going? Oh, uh, going really well. Very, very promising so far. So excited. Nice. Do you have a part of the world you'd like to end up in for that? Oh, um, currently, I think my next move will be in this within the state still i'm not ready to do a another intercontinental move one in five years is enough thank you very much <laughs> um, so probably stay within the states for the next few years and then we'll see afterwards very good very sensible by the sounds of it um especially once you've gotten to know an academic system because that's that's a exactly. major problem with the moves. Yeah. And I think you also have your network in place, whether it's your local network and your collaborations or just I already know people in the area that I'm looking at currently. And so in the physical area that I'm looking at currently. And so even if I stay in the States, I know people who are here who are a very short plane right away that I can collaborate with we're still in that same area. And I think if you move, you have to rebuild your connections. Yes, yeah. you have the existing connections, but they're not local. And so you have to go through that whole rebuilding process, which is a lot. Yeah, for sure. So best of luck with the job hunt. Uh, this seems like a, a timely place to end today's conversation. Uh, but before we go, I'd like to have your responses to a couple of our rapid fire mm -hmm. questions. <laughs> so everybody knows that Rebecca is not all work and is some play, right? Yeah. Um, so firstly, <laughs> tell us your favorite way to avoid thesis writing right now. Uh, right now, it's helping other people with their work. Definitely doing that because then I still feel productive and I can... It's service. It goes onto my CV. It's helpful for my future. So I do that, but mostly it's being in nature or just being creative. I like uh, making stamps like lino cut and I really like painting. So it's, those are my go-tos. Very cool. And it sounds like a much more sensible version of what I used to do, which was just housework. <laughs> but like you say, at least the service adds to your CV, right? Exactly. So the next question I have is, what songs would be played on a loop in hell for you? Uh, in hell for me, so there's this Afrikaans song called Kaptain uh, by Kurt Darren. It's a love song in Afrikaans and the tune and everything, it's just that, that is, that, that just on repeat would be hell for me. <laughs> I feel like I need to look this up and maybe put it in the show notes so everybody else knows what you're on about. I, I, it comes with a warning. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. And finally, do you have an upcoming trip that you're excited about? 
So my boyfriend and I are planning to go to South Africa at the end of the year. Um, it'll be our first major trip together, but also his first time meeting my family. So I'm really excited to show him about where I grew up and, and introduce him to my side of the world as well. Very good. In fact, when was the last time you were back home? Uh, I was home for a month in 2022, right after ECMTB. Um, F1 visa had expired and so I wasn't allowed to go back. So I had to go back to South Africa to renew my visa. So it was a good excuse. Yeah, absolutely. Two birds, one stone and all that. Exactly. <laughs> Splendid. And yeah, I think that's that. Thank you for your time today, Rebecca. And I am grateful that you've always been so amenable to take part in whatever project I seem to be working on at the time. And I'm also glad to have gotten to know you a little bit during your time at Moffitt. And I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you so much. And thank you for inviting me on the podcast. I really enjoy listening to it. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. Wonderful. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> You've been listening to Biology in Numbers, a podcast from the Society for Mathematical Biology and produced by me, Pam Bahia at Art Science Media. You can learn more about SMB on their website, smb.org, and via social media on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Find links to all of these and some for today's guest in the episode show notes. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and very likely your favorite podcast platform. So show us some love by making sure you review and subscribe. You can see the giant mattress that's in here. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't look like a mattress. <laughs>